some people might say, listen, uh, it's a lot better off if I'm not around anybody. I just don't seem to click with anybody. Or, say, you know what? We can stay out of trouble if we just go to church and then, boom, don't ever connect with anybody. Just go there, listen to the message, sing a song or two, and then go back home. <laughs> and that doesn't work either. Because that's not the body working as it should. We, we're too self-centered. Like too many other things to do sometimes. We're too busy. But there's a one another in Scripture. There's a, uh, an intercession that we need from each other constantly. How are people going to know where you're at if you never talk to them, you never listen to them, right? Confession and prayer. And so that's dealing with relationship to others. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. It means you are commanded to speak and talk and listen to others in the body of Christ. Because this is where eternity is at. We're just rehearsing. We're practicing as we worship, as we fellowship together. There's no such thing as individualism in the body of Christ. Do you guys get that? Say amen if you do. We don't allow individualism to happen here. What happens is the weakening of the churches that have happened over the course of years because of the individualism, the loss of uh, corporate uh, witness in communities is, is gone because of that. We have to live with one another in the body of Christ. We have to give attention to our relationships that we have in the body of Christ. And that's what our context is here today. Attention calls for confession and prayer dealing with each other. How does this affect the body? How does it affect me? How does it affect you? Right? That's what we're going to be looking at today. So, why don't we get out our Bibles? If you don't already, turn to James chapter 5. Verse 16, let's stand. Verse 16 through 18 today. After dealing with the uh, praying for the sick, their sins will be forgiven, they'll be healed says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again. The sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. Let's pray. Father, Your Word is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Help us to understand how important it is to take this prayer and put it together. May we get what You're talking about and really apply it. May we be a praying church. We need Your power. How can we stress it more? Your Word is here. Have it make effect on each one of us. Amen. Wow, James. Very practical. He had a lot of commands here. This is how we live the Christian life. Now in verse 16, he starts off with, therefore... Because he set forth a command in the previous verses as we've looked at. 
about being patient and strengthening our hearts and not to complain against one another. Be forthright, straight up in our conversations. And if we suffer, we are to pray. And if we are cheerful, we are to praise God, which is praying. And if we're sick, we're to call for the elders, pray over us and anoint us with oil in the Lord's name. We'll be healed. And all these exhortations or commands are right in the context of body life. This is how the church works. This is the function of the church. You know what? We're just learning. We're on the tip of the iceberg. What's a church all about? As we meet together, I hope we're getting a little bit more that's put into us each week. Each and every day. The church is beautiful. John MacArthur had a message. I love the church. It's pretty simple. I love the church. Yeah, that's right. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. Not a building, right? We're talking about the people of God because they're His. And He puts us together, not by accident. So quite the exhortations, and He says, therefore. It's a three-letter word in the Greek, but it summarizes our duties toward each other in the church. All of those things are connected all the way up to the body as you be patient, as you strengthen your hearts, as you deal with not complaining and not judging and not swearing, doing all the other stuff, praying. And of course, that's where it takes off into here. Now, he, he says this, Therefore, what's the next word? Confess. Hama legeo. Hamo, same. Legeo, speak. To speak the same, to say the same, to agree with. It's really agreeing with God about your sin. Yes, God, I have done this and I agree that is sin that's against your holiness that's what confessing is he wants us to confess matter of fact he doesn't only want us to or suggest it this is a command you confess your sins homologale it's common in the New Testament throughout you'll see that word It's interesting how that word is used when Jesus actually used it. He used the word confess. Uh, look in Matthew eleven twenty five. Kind of fascinating, actually. Eleven twenty five of Matthew. This is where he's kind of being rejected by the people here because <laughs> he said some difficult things, and he says that. Uh, he denounced some cities and Chorazin and Bethsaida and Tyre and Sidon and mentions them. And he says, it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Oh, man. Made him mad. Made him very angry. It'd be more tolerable for Sodom. We're talking Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for the religious elite Pharisees. And here we go, verse 25. The time Jesus said, I praise you, Father. You know what the word for praise is there? It's actually the word that we're using um, here today. Praise toward the I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. So, 
Jesus uses the term here as an expression of praise toward the Father. I agree with you. I praise you, Father. I agree. I'm a legale, Father, of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things. I agree with you that you've hidden these things from the wise of the world, the intelligent of the world, and you've shown them to infants. People that shouldn't, by earthly standards, understand this. That's amazing that He reveal it to us. Right? He says, I agree with you, Father. I praise you. I agree with that you how you've done this and hidden hiding those things. There's another one where uh, Paul uses this word in a different kind of way too. Usually you think of confessing sins, you know, homologeo in that sense, but here's homologeo here, Romans fourteen eleven. Actually used in the original language. It actually comes out of the Old Testament. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess. Yes. Now my version says praise. What does yours say? Praise. What? Acknowledge. Acknowledge. To agree with. To praise. Confess. Every tongue shall give praise to God. Now we we hear that of uh, somewhere else like in Romans, don't we? Or Philippians. Every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. Every tongue shall agree with Him. So it's dealing with an agreement, isn't it? And so there's been a particular act on our part and we are to agree with Him that is sent. Sometimes it's really hard to do that. You like to just kind of scoot over it. Father, forgive my sins. And boom, you start asking for what you want. It's easy to do. I know that. Because I've done it. There's a connection between, uh, I guess you can say the word illness or uh, sickness, and sin. Now, that's not always the case. And we looked at that last week. Uh, somebody could say, well, they sinned. They've done some kind of sin. I, I, I can guarantee that's what they've done. They're sick. And I'm going to go in there and find out what they've done. <laughs> We, we can't do that, can we? We, we? we don't know. But ultimately, we can definitely say, yeah, because of mankind's sin, there is sickness. There are diseases. It was because of sin. So we can safely say that. But is, does every sin, I mean, does every sickness mean that we have sinned? May, done some kind of act that God had to punish us, right? I don't think so, because we look in John, and uh, John 9, we looked at this last week. John 9, 1, He passed by, saw a man blind from birth, and His disciples asked Him, Rabbi, who sinned? That's that's the Jewish view, and that's what the disciples took. Who sinned? Was was it His parents? Was it this man or His parents that He'd be born blind? We know that there was a sin. Who did it? Jesus answered, It was neither. See, it always comes up with a different answer than the people do. You ever notice that? If they're not thinking like he is. It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Is that difficult? That's a hard saying of Jesus. I'm not going to go into the text of that. If you want to think on that verse, it is amazing. That's a sovereign God. Wow, that man was born blind. Yeah, ultimately it's for God's glory. Everything is. 
He could have kept that from happening, right? Okay, just a thought. The deal is here, what we're emphasizing is that it shows that there was no necessary sin that caused this to happen. Okay, with that being said, now we go into James. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that's so that you may be healed. Uh, we have a connection. It's not always a discipline because we've had sickness. Well, we've been sick all year. There have been all sorts of different sicknesses going around. Not just in this church. Every church, every, every, every at my work, everywhere we go. There's been some strange kind of sicknesses that just kind of linger on. And so I'm not picking on you because we've. I think we've all had something of that this year. Pretty close to it. Some of us worse than others, but... Um, so I'm not picking on you saying, hey, you sinned. But James, say, James says here, if there is something that you have done to another person, let's say another person in the, in the church, you know what the process for the, for the elders was? To go to the sick person. That sick person, if he has some kind of sin, if there's something lingering there, then he's to tell the elders. There's a confession to be made. Because of that confession, then God heals. So, the same kind of process is happening here, indicating that there should be a spiritual examination of ourselves. And if we realize that we have said something, done something against our brother, then we are to go to them and confess that. Even before you ever even go back to worship, go and get that done first, right? Anyone has anything against you? So, actually, the elders would refuse to pray for healing until the sick man would confess his sin. If he knew he had sinned, then he is to confess it. Why pray any further if somebody is in sin? And I think that is a pretty good place to be when we come to the Lord to recognize our sinfulness. Get that taken care of. Make sure to count the sin. Get it out of the way. Boom. But here it's dealing with confessing it to the individuals if somebody's been wronged. Now that's living together with members of the body of Christ. If there's something knowingly or maybe we don't know and somebody brings it to our case, maybe we... We don't even see it as something that way, but it's taken that way. Well, that's what it can be. There can be an unkind remark or something that's said, and maybe it's taken out of context, wrong time, some kind of hurt. Now, I don't know of any of this happening right now. Okay, so you think, what are we talking about? Wow. Dennis is doing this specifically, which happened to be in this text. But it can speak to us. And if it's not happening now, it could later, because really what you have, you have the body of Christ coming together, members... And believe it or not, there's some people that sin in here. <laughs> believe it or not, we all do sin, even as Christians. <laughs> We're guilty. We're the <laughs> just the mirror. It's all you need, right? We can sin against a fellow brother or sister. Just saying something wrong, we shouldn't have done it. We can misjudge another person. We can neglect a person. Could not ever even walk up to him and say hi. There can be wounds 
Boy, it can take a lot of time for people's wounds to heal. You ever notice that? But I want to tell you something. I think according to this text, that long, long time can be settled just like that. Why? Because it's a promise of God. Just like that sickness that James was talking about. If you have something like this, if you go to that person, it can be remedied with honesty and humility of confession. Ah, it's a powerful thing and it goes together with prayer. Confession, prayer, and then you're praying together. I've seen it quite often where two people were kind of at odds with each other and it was over just the least amount of things that somebody's hurt and whatever. And all of a sudden, if they can come together, and especially on their own, not somebody making them, but on their own, one of them. It just takes one. It's amazing how, especially if those are Christians, <laughs> and that's really the qualifications here, how God can then take that and work it. All of a sudden, there's a sweet, sweet communion. Something just changed in a drastic moment if there's confession of sin. We all have it. That's simply what James is talking about. Confession. It's not necessarily confessing to the whole church here. You know, there's appropriate time. Somebody could say, hmm, you know, I really need to confess. I have my thoughts I need to confess. Oh, just just keep it there between you and God. You don't need to say, yeah, but I, I've had the, these thoughts on my mind and, and I want to confess to people and get it, get it out of the way. Just confess to God. They don't, they don't need to hear that. But if you've offended somebody, then that's the person you go to and you get that taken care of. You say, oh, you mean... You know, I've been thinking things and not even doing but thinking I, I don't have to go to a group of people and no you don't as a matter of fact we'd rather you not tell your thoughts we are sinful people and we do have sinful thoughts or things can come up it's not necessarily sinful that they came up have you ever, have you ever had those things happen you say, wow where did that come from I don't even like that thought anymore why is that have you ever had that well, at least I've got a few people that's making me feel better here for a long for a moment there. There's an accountability that we have with the brothers and sisters. Especially uh, young believers and they can come to a mature believer and just ask for help, ask for prayer. Maybe there's a particular sin that one has a propensity to go to and they say, hey listen, here's what I really struggle with. I, I'm really not doing too good with this. Can, can, you, can you offer a scripture? Can, can we just pray? You know, that's probably happened too. You know, that's where mature believers come in or somebody who's walking in the Spirit or mature believers who are struggling, which happens, right? It's for the purpose of helping that fellow believer stem that tide of temptation that is going to come there, particular sins that they have with, and help them in that. Pray for one another. How can you pray for one another if you don't know what their need is? So somebody can hold something within and never tell anybody. They really need to be prayed for, but they're not telling anybody. How does anybody know 
if they don't tell them. Or somebody can be saying it and crying out and somebody about ten months later will say, man, what's wrong? Boy, what's, what's the matter with them? What's the problem? You don't know? We've been bringing this up in prayer for the last ten months. It's what you like to say. <laughs> say, haven't you? Don't you listen? Don't you know what's going on here? That's a brother, a sister, and you don't even have a clue what's going on. What's the problem there? Well, if they don't tell you, then how are you going to know? But if you don't listen. How are you going to be able to know what's happening on in the body of Christ? It's not just for the elders or the leaders of the church to know that and everybody else doesn't know. It's for everybody to kind of be in touch with that. And then if they need prayer, they they bring it out. You know, They can bring it out and publicly come out here in church or they know of somebody who has a, a terrible illness, a sickness or something that's really struggling one in a lot of different ways. I want to pray for others, he says. Uh, failure to do so, actually, will result not in healing, but in havoc. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Oh, this is good. First Samuel is before the kings, right? 1 Samuel chapter 12. 23. Samuel, the prophet, addressing Israel. Verse 23 says this famous verse. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in good and right way. Did you know if we... Wow. This can bring on a conviction here. If we cease to pray for people, what does Samuel say it is? Sin. Far be it from me that I should sin by ceasing to pray for you. If we're not praying for each other, we're sinning. I don't know about you, but that's the hammer. We... You know, I mean, the hammer just comes right down on you because that is what we are to be doing. James just says it right here. Samuel made it very clear. Let's look at Colossians 1. You can say, well, I don't want to pray for people. Or, I don't know. I don't know. Just, Lord, bless them. Ah, that's not specific enough. Let's look at Colossians 1.9. Boy, this is a good prayer. You guys know this one? For this reason, also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray. You remember that? Not ceasing from Samuel. For you, and to ask that you may be filled with the... I want you to... If if you mark in your Bible, and if you don't, start doing it. The word there is knowledge. Knowledge of His will. I want the people to be having knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So you have knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Those go together, right? The next one 
that I've circled is, okay, if you have the knowledge of His will, so that you will walk, you will live your life in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay, if you have knowledge of God's will and wisdom, and that's living it out, doing it, and understanding that, you know what will happen out of that? You're going to walk your life. You're going to talk the talk and walk the walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And what does it do? Then I have this one circled. To please Him. That's what we do. I think when we please Him, it is glorifying Him. Pleasing God. So if you have knowledge of His will, you will walk in that. You know what that does? That pleases God. In all respects, bearing fruit. As a result of all this, you will bear fruit. It will start showing just by understanding His will. Renewing your mind daily. Getting into the Word. Recognize His will. Taking that and making it wisdom and understanding and then you walk and then you please Him. And then you'll be strengthened, it says in verse 11. Every good work increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing. Strengthened. Look at this. With all power. What kind of power? What kind of dunamis? The word is dunamis, power, dynamite. What kind is that? According to His glorious might. It's His power. It's according to His... What kind of power does He have? All power. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks. Wow, Colossians 1.9 It would be great to pray for others, wouldn't it? Just take out your Bible and just pray that one. Do it tomorrow. Today. Look at Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Boy, this is a great prayer. And this I pray. What does he pray for? That your love may abound. Ah, uh, good sermon there. Why, why should I pray? What did Paul pray? that their love would abound. Just leap over. Extend it out. Still more and more, and here's the word, in real knowledge, in all discernment. So you have love, love with truth. Knowledge, right? It's not one, I just love everybody. I love this. I love the flowers. That's, we're talking about God's powerful love, aren't we? And it comes with knowledge, knowing Him. Why? What's the benefit? So that you may prove, approve the things that are excellent to live those out in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Same pattern, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. Kind of like our Colossian passage, but a little bit different. Based, same outline. Ephesians 1, 16-19. Oh, these are giant prayers. Man, these are prayers straight from heaven given to us. If Paul prayed it, I think we should pray it. Ephesians 1, 16. Do not cease there's that word don't stop giving thanks for you we don't do that we don't stop 
while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of what? Wisdom. Another circle word. Remember, knowledge, understanding, wisdom. How do you get the wisdom? (laughs) Glory to God. And a revelation in the knowledge of Him. Knowing Him. This is a relationship, isn't it? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I want that your eyes may be enlightened to really see some deep spiritual truths. Every time you get into the Word of God, you ever notice, wow, I never noticed that before. You've read that passage probably a hundred times. You say, how did I ever miss that? God's Word is so filled with amazing things that just keep speaking, doesn't it? What's going to be the result? So that you know what is the hope of His calling. And how often I prayed for each one of you by, by name to the Lord. This prayer right here. The hope of His call That you would know His hope. The calling that you had and that's constant, that you just know that. And then he's, what are the riches of His glory? Not just His glory, but the riches, the immensity, this is amazing, of His inheritance in the saints. There we go. The one another's. The rich as of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing Greatness of His dunamis toward us who believe. The power. Power of prayer, folks, it gets you in touch with that great, grand glory of God. Man. Praying for one another. Relationships. So it's about. Look in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Not to bring any guilt on us. You're here today, so you can't be guilty. (laughs) Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love, action, right in the body of Christ, and good deeds. We're here to stimulate one another. Don't have to define that word, right? To really encourage others. And verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but what? but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, that's a motivation. Christ is coming back. Right now is the time to be encouraging one another. Man, we need it. That's why it's so important to assemble together so we can stimulate one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. I ask that day. Wholeness. Physical healing? Yes. Believe so? Uh, Verse 14 and 15, some kind of a divine healing here. Physical healing. We've seen that it also can mean spiritual healing. In, In the Greek, we went into the word study on that last week. We need to to see the need to be praying for people who have physical ailments. 
We need to be praying dealing in, with the church family. and It's a regular activity. And, and it's broader than just physical needs. So, it's into the broad range of needs that people have. We have relationships. There can be relationships that need healing. We have emotions and concerns that need healing. We have all sorts of things. Spiritual concerns, primary concerns that need to be healed. So there are needs that are in the body of Christ. We need the amazing power of God when people pray for us to live this life. That is what the church is about as it glorify God. And you know, it's, it, the word may be healed. It's a theological passive. If you want to get technical, what's that mean? Well, it's not the praying person who does the healing, but the Lord. The Lord heals. Confession of sins is made. Righteousness is restored then. And guess what? Now prayer can take effect. The Lord alone brings the healing, but we are to do what we are to do. And that's where the confession comes in. We don't have the power to exercise sovereignty over someone else's physical condition. We rely and depend totally upon the Lord in that. We are in dependence upon the Lord to bring healing according to His sovereign purposes, whether that be physical or spiritual. Now we get into the considerations for the church, the nature of effective prayer. Right at the end of verse 16, the effect of prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's a powerful phrase. That's the last thing that we're going to look at here today. Our illustration of Elijah will have to wait till next week. So I just now have a theme for next week's message. As I look at the watch, as the time runs down, that's part three, but we will cover part two. The nature of effective prayer here. This is considerations that the church is be doing. Our natural propensity is to do this, to shrink back, especially when things seem rather impossible. Things that ever look like mountains to you? Things ever looked impossible and are impossible? Humanly. That's the whole point. Everything's impossible to us. Even our salvation that we have, it was impossible, Jesus said. With men it is impossible, Jesus said. But with God, all things are possible. Do not lower the power of God in your mind. Not your power and how powerful your faith is, but how powerful God is. The promise is, is that we rest the power of pray. Uh, we rest the power of prayer too much <clears throat> upon ourselves. We think that we are the ones who can make things happen in prayer. We're really supposed to not see ourselves as that, but as instruments. We cannot make anything happen 
but we're instruments that are used in the Lord's hands. That's really all we are. We're instruments, tools to accomplish His purpose. He has an overall purpose and it's amazing how He takes each and every individual in the family of God and He uses you the way that He wants. He has a purpose for your life. How often have you heard that? God has a purpose for your life. Let's just don't say that in short. Realize how sovereign and how providential God is when He really does have a purpose. And He uses all things to work for good. No matter what they are. You're a tool. We're commanded to pray. But we're also invited to pray. To bring our need before the Lord. We're invited to do that. At the same time, it's a command. Is that a burden? Is this command a burden that you cannot do? No, it's something that we should be excited about to be able to talk to the Father. We're to anchor ourselves in His faithfulness, in His promises. And we're to see that God has a command, and it's a very foundation of our prayer. He has this command. It's to pray as a foundation for how effective our prayer is going to be. Prayer, the word is deesis. It means a supplication, entreaty, to be asking of God. The effect of prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. The effect of. You wonder what, what kind of word is that? The effect of prayer. How can I have an effect of prayer? Well, the word is energeo. Give you three guesses. An English word comes from that. Energeo. E N E R G E. Energy. The energetic prayer. Something that has life to it. You know what I mean? The effectiveness of prayer. The language points here to prayer being. You can see great in that it, uh, much. You see in the terms of its scope here that it's strong because it says it's effective energy in regard to its nature and effective in that it can accomplish. So you get energy, uh, you get uh, effective or energy accomplishing much. Are you getting something there? It's effective. It accomplishes much. Man, I think James is on to something here. <laughs> Remember old camel knees? The working, the effect. Alec Motyer makes the point that prayer looks unimpressive. It's easy to despise, but it has great resources waiting to be tapped. A huge potency to release. His reminder here on James is that we're not to view prayer as something that we're supposed to do and it turns out to be a mere ritual and I say it before I go to sleep at night. Uh, it's so common in all the other religions, uh, the Hindus, the Muslims, pray three times a day because they have to. Repetitious prayers they are day after day, just repeating the same thing, mantras. The Christian approaches God in prayer with a consciousness that He is a sovereign, holy, 
only God. He is Lord. And He has promised to engage His might in the prayers that we bring to Him. He filters these prayers through the purifying of His will as we confess. He purifies us. And now it makes that prayer something that's potent. Tell me how powerful is a prayer when one is in sin and they're not confessing it and they're not acknowledging it. How far is that prayer going to get? The ceiling stops it. He extends His mighty hand to accomplish what is beyond the scope of our natural abilities. I have to finish with uh, Romans chapter 8. Sometimes we don't... You know, we are sinful people still yet. And even at our best, we're at our best when we're on our knees, when we're praying. That's when we're at our best. I want to tell you honestly, we still can have sin there. Even at our best. In Romans... Chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. I'm like, oh, I agree with that. (laughs) But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's deep. We don't even know what to pray. We always say some words and stuff. You know what? And if it's the right words, that's what God wants us to do. You know what? He put that there. The Spirit does that. And even if we don't even say it with words, guess what? The Holy Spirit is going for us, interceding to the Father because we're so weak. We're not that great in prayer. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We think we know what to pray for. And sometimes it's really for me. And that can be good. That's okay. And God can answer that. And He does do. may not be according to His will always though. Our prayer can say, according, but it's according to Your will, Lord. I think that's a good qualifier. Because the Holy Spirit, whenever He brings it to God, you know what? It's always the will of God, and that's the prayer that's going to be answered. So if you're lined up with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, I will tell you that your prayer will be answered always. You can say, yeah, but I'm sick and I still have this. Maybe it's God's will for you to learn more about Him during your sickness. Remember the man born blind? I know this sounds sounds kind of tough. God can and does that when we have the James passage. But at the same time, it still is always qualified with His will. We're not sovereign in our prayers, are we? And then you know verse 28. We know that God who causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. There we go. That's the prayer that's answered where the Holy Spirit delivers it to the Father. Amazing. It accomplishes. It says He can accomplish. It means powerful results. Do you want powerful results? 
It's not always the way that you see it though. Remember that. Or it is going to be answered, but later on. could be the next day, next week. It could be next year. It could be the next decade. Are you getting it? It's according to His will, His timing. Thank the Lord. It will accomplish though. And that means there will be powerful results. It could happen instantly. And we are instant type people here in America. We want it we want it now. Yesterday we want it. Much effective accomplished, which is powerful results, much means great. Even more than you can imagine. I gotta stop there. I can't even do the righteous man. The righteous man threatens you. We'll bring that out. Righteous man who is a believer. That is the objective view. In one sense, we've been justified. But that's not what it's talking about there. It's talking about the righteous man who is living a righteous life. A man who's walking with the Lord, filled with the Spirit. The Spirit-filled man. We'll talk about that next week and go into the illustration of Elijah. That effective, powerful prayer that he had. And look at the man, Elijah, who we're just like. I was going to finish with this. We are being called being called to step up our prayer life. Are you going to answer? Father in heaven, holy is your name. You are the powerful, the dynamic one. Thank you for making our prayers powerful. It's not because of us, but because of you. We're the power of your spirit. Done the will of God. Help us to learn better what prayer is and to be able to apply this. That's starting with me, Lord. Weak as we are, You are strong. You are the one who has a will and a purpose. We want to line up with that. We don't want to line up with our will, but Your will. And we confess that to You today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.